are now locked in and listening to The Issue. This guy is a franchise quarterback, and no, I don't want to hear any pushback on that. It, it feels like a top 10 roster to me. It feels like it can win a championship. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is The Issue. It is Thursday, May 4th, and oh, do we have a loaded show for you guys today. Uh, You can catch us on YouTube, Spotify, and Amazon Prime Video to watch the show and also listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. And it is a loaded one today, especially for the NFL fan. The draft, fantastic. I know I'm spending tomorrow Cinco de Mayo just celebrating, celebrating, and just ravishing in pretty sure that's a word the Steelers draft we'll picks uh, we'll the 2023 it. draft was fantastic and that's how we're going to start the show this week recapping the NFL draft Tim's rant that's what it's going to be geared towards specific teams picks you can see the direction that they want to move we'll talk about all that in the first segment and we're going to finish off the first segment with another edition of hits and misses as we always do into the second segment though we're going to go over the winners and losers of the draft and there were a, a bunch of both plenty of both Um, And we're going to break that all down for you, followed by the news to close out the second segment. And then in the third, kind of a surprising thing, right? Anthony Richardson goes before Will Levis. Will Levis slips all the way to the second round, something that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. I know we didn't see that coming, uh, but that will be the show for you guys today. Pumped about it. Pumped. I mean, this is probably the first draft where I just sat there. And I watched entire, almost all of it. I watched the entire first round for sure. Like all 31 yeah. of the first picks were fantastic. Uh, some clear winners stood out to me. The Philadelphia Eagles killed it again. Oh, that's yeah. two years in a row now. Oh, yeah. uh, they just really seem to have the direction going there in Philadelphia. Well, I mean, there's a reason Howie Roseman's a top. You know, he's regarded as like a top five GM at minimum in the league. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to take Carson Wentz, and then, you know, he gets hurt, and Nick Foles, you win a Super Bowl with that nucleus, Doug Peterson, that nucleus, and then say, no, nah, scrap it, let's start over, and then get back to another Super Bowl. Like, that's, that's pretty impressive. Anyway, um, actions speak louder than words, right? We know this. I've said it a bunch, and we've said it a bunch. Uh, but when people do things, you know, take that as their intention, right? Take that action as their intention. I can tell you all day long, you know what? I love Joe Biden. He's doing a great job, you know, if I, if I wanted you to think that. But then if you look at, you know, I don't know, my voting history, you know, my social media, you'll know that. I I think he's kind of a nutcase, can't finish sentence. Right, but I could tell you anything that you want, but my actions are going to say what I really feel, what I really mean, what my real intentions are. Right? NFL teams this weekend, and thus far in the offseason, are going to do the same thing. They're going to tell you exactly what they think, feel, and intend to double down on going forward. For example, let's start with the hometown Pittsburgh Steelers, right? We had Mike DeCastro on right before the draft. Uh, we were back and forth on if the Steelers should draft or will draft offensive line or secondary, right? He he was leaning more towards secondary. At the time, I was more offensive line. He might have swayed me. Nonetheless, they go offensive line, right? Mike said this, and I agree. We're going to find out what the Steelers think of Dan Moore. And we did find out what they think of Dan Moore. Eh, backup. He's a backup left tackle, right? Because they're going to go out. They're going to draft the left tackle for the future, Broderick Jones. Right? They need an upgrade. Trade up, let's go get one. Project Jones, here you go. Probably left tackle for the next eight-plus years if he pans out, which I think he will. Right? I like the pick. They tell you exactly what they intend to do. Kenny Pickett, young offense, surround him with pieces. Surround him with pieces, right? Protect him. The picket fence, as some may say. 
the Packers, right? They basically said, life without Aaron, I think we're going to be just fine. I think we're good. First round, we're going to get a pass rusher. We don't we, we don't want this kid to have to win shootouts. But then we'll go get, like, what, three wide receivers, like two more tight ends in the later rounds. Not to mention they're going to double down, and they're going to extend Jordan Love one year, $22 million. You know, not a ton, but, I mean, the kid started one game, right? That's a nice payday for a singular game starter, right, in which he didn't even play that well in that start, but that's besides the point. They're going to double down. They said, life without Aaron. Hey, Aaron, you have fun in New York. You go to the, all the Rangers games and all the Knicks games you want. We're good here. We're good here. That's what they're telling you. Right? How about the Eagles? Right? The Eagles say, ooh, Jalen Carter, one of the top talents in the draft, if not the most talented player. Some character issues. But we'll take a flyer because we have star quarterback, check. Veterans in place, check. Strong presence at head coach, check. Great mentors at the exact same position group as Jalen Carter, check. Fletcher Cox. A bunch of his college buddies to make him feel as comfortable as possible in a new system, new city, all that, check. Why not take a chance on the most, what many view, as the most talented player in the draft? They're telling you, we have the cornerstones, let's roll the dice, let's go big or go home. This is our conference for the taking, not just division, conference for the taking. I think they have the most talented roster. Right? Totally Howie Roseman makes, a, makes complete sense, right? That's right up his alley, totally respect it. How about the Colts? Well, they basically said, hey, could we go get Will Levis? Yeah. Yeah, but do we have a really, really talented young offensive offensive coach in Shane Steichen? Absolutely. We have a really nice run game, and it'll be even better under Steichen because we saw what he did with, with Philly. It'll be a better run run team this year. We have a scrappy defense, decent culture. We could take in a project. Right? We, we could take in Anthony Richardson. We'll be just fine with him as our quarterback. He's basically, you could argue, a more talented version of Jalen Hurts. And Steichen made Jalen Hurts the top seven quarterback in the league. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. He's... A lot more polishing, a lot more refinement. But that's what they're telling you. They said, hey, we really like our coach. We really like what he brings to the table. Let's let him take this project, polish him up. In a year, we could have the best quarterback in our division. Mm, Trevor Lawrence is better. But that's what they think, right? That's that's what they intend to do. That's what they're going to double down on. Right, we'll talk more about how I feel about some of the team's drafts. You know, good, bad, ugly, right? Some winners and losers. But my point is, believe it when teams show you and tell you exactly what they're all about. Right, if you're thinking, how's my team going to be this year? What's their goal? What's their what direction are they going? Just follow the breadcrumbs. Believe exactly what they show you. Teams will teams will tell you exactly what they intend to do, exactly what they're going to double down on, exactly what they think is the cornerstone for the future. All these teams did, all of them, from top to bottom. I mean, even the Falcons said, "Hey, rookie running back last year was second in rushing, huh? No, no, no. We're going to be bad this year." But B. John Robinson and Caleb Williams next year, now we're talking. Right now we're talking. So they, they tell you exactly what they intend to do. They're going to suck this year, and they know it. They don't care. They don't care about B. John Robinson next year when he puts up 1,600 yards and 14 touchdowns. It's going to look like a good pick. It's going to look like a good pick. So just believe teams when they tell you. They're going to show you exactly what they are. Exactly what they are. You just believe them. That's it. And you could really see that, like you said, just echoed throughout the entirety of the draft from, from round one to round seven. Yeah. And nobody hid behind anything. And I really like the picks pretty much all across the board. I think they all addressed desperate needs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Steelers, for example, you know, first-round pick, you need somebody that's going to be great blocking in space. Broderick Jones is fantastic blocking in space. He's going to be able to pull, you know, go open up some lanes for Najee on the outside. Finally going to be able to maybe move the ball a little bit this season. Didn't let up a sack all last year. No. I mean, I know it's college, but still. Just protect the hell out of Kenny Pickett. 
Love that. And then what else did they tell you? Oh, well, we do need some help with the secondary, so we're going to go draft Joey Porter Jr. Yeah. It, regardless how you feel about him or how you think he's going to pan out in the NFL, I it's what they're telling you that they need. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, I agree. All I around. Agree. Uh, great draft. Great draft. It was fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, we're, we're going to be staying on the draft. Most of it, that's actually uh, going to be where we're going with hits and misses here. So let's go hits and misses. Let's hit number one here. <clears throat> we said it before the draft. It's it's weird because it's like dumb teams get dumber, smart teams get smarter, right? So the, the, it's the all fa- amplified. The Falcons, like I, you know, I get that they might have a plan. I don't understand how after like one year after you have the second leading rookie running running back in total yards, you go waste a top ten pick on Bijan Robinson with a roster with a ton of holes. Like there's a ton of holes on this roster, and you go get a position that doesn't have a ton of value when you already have good value at the position. I just don't understand it. Um, I, I don't think it's going to win them many games. I, good luck on that. Maybe, you know, after you suck, you get Caleb Williams, and then it's a good, you know, a good tandem in the backfield. But I just, I don't see it right now. It doesn't make a ton of sense from a value proposition or a team-building proposition as well. I mean, we did say that the draft will show you the team's direction, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's we the don't. right direction. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, a lot of people take really bad advice, take really bad direction, and I don't really see that pick panning out all that much. I I think he's going to be a good player. But I don't think at number 8 overall with a roster first round guy. with a roster with a ton of holes, I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand. That's like different round, much different cuz it's going to be less money, less, you know, less important, but like the Rams going drafting Stetson Bennett in the 4th round made no sense. What are you doing? Made no sense. They have significant holes in the roster. They could use a ton of offensive line depth. I, I could I could give you four different wide receivers they could have gotten in that same fourth round that would have been way more that would have started or at least gotten significant playing time and been a contributor day one. Yeah. And you go get Stetson Bennett. And as much as I love Stetson Bennett, I mean he Max was Max Duggan shock. was still out there. He was a shock that he even worked in college, let alone you're gonna go play for the Los Angeles Rams now? There's no way. His ceiling is a backup. His ceiling right he's most likely a third-string quarterback. His ceiling is a backup. Max Duggan would have been a better pick there. If you want to go yeah. get a quarterback, Max Duggan was around in the seventh round. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense for me. Uh, miss number one here. Somehow, some way, I don't understand how, but this show, we become big fans of the Lions here. Um, hey, you know, the I, NFC North treats us well. Yeah, we kind of like the Lions. We like their direction. I like Dan Campbell. I, I like Jared Goff more than most. I think they have decent offensive pieces. Uh, but, wow, what an awful draft. I mean, to go get Jameer Gibbs that early, yeah. and then to go get Jack Campbell, an off-ball linebacker, you go get the two least valuable positions in all of football. Yeah. A running back, not even a three-down running back, just a pass-catching running back, basically, and an off-ball linebacker. What are you doing? I mean, it made no sense. You want to talk about value. Made absolutely no sense. Again, a a roster that we both like, but agree that there are significant holes on defense, like secondary, which they could have addressed, like pass rusher, which they could have addressed. I know they got Hutchinson, but I would have liked to see him go get another one. Having a good number two never hurt. You could have went and get, you could have went and got a really nice middle linebacker in the second, third round. Yeah. Uh, You didn't have to go get... Uh, Jack Campbell or whatever, I, I think he'll be a fine player. Is he going to impact winning as much as another player that they could have got at that position? Absolutely not. Terrible value. Don't get it at all. It's just upsetting because, like, 
this was going to be, this had to be the year where the Lions kind of really hit on their draft picks, right? 100%. You have Dan Campbell, he kind of gets the, the first, or guys guess second draft under his belt, but you have to start building something here, right? right. You have to start, you have to get the pieces, and you have to see those pieces pan out for you if you want to keep your job in Detroit. Um, and, and I just don't see it. I don't see it, but you're right. I, I feel like another... Like miss for us is that we've become a big fan of the Lions on this show. Yeah, I don't know yeah, how it happened. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't intended whatsoever. Not intended. Uh, hit number two here. So we nailed the top three picks of the draft. Yay for us. Granted, we we did have Arizona staying at three and drafting Will Anderson. They trade with with Houston, who still drafts Anderson. So we had Young, Stroud, Anderson, one, two, three. So yeah, hoorah for us. I feel like that was a fairly easy one though to get. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, I feel like that was that was pretty easy, but nonetheless, we got to give ourselves a little pat on the back there. You kidding me? Come on now. It was good. Hey, it was better than last year's draft. That's improved. Did we go zero for something? Improved over thirty two last year. Zero for thirty some that stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's not good. All right, Mister Matutor, I, I had Michael Mayer. You had Michael Mayer as a top fifteen player in the draft. I really thought he was a really dynamic prospect. Pretty nice down the seam. Reminded me a lot of like a like a Kittle down the seam. A nice possession receiving tight end, as well as an elite end line blocker. Uh, but he slips down to the second round. Raiders pick him up at what, like thirty four overall or something like that. I think it might be a little bit of a steal. Um, yeah, I thought he'd be a top fifteen to twenty pick. I guess he wasn't, but I do. I agree. I think he's going to be arguably the steal of the draft. I, I think it's really good for a team with a average at best offensive line, but likes to pound the rock. Right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to have a really nice blocking tight end. You replace Darren Waller. Uh, you have a pretty good combination now. Renfro, Adams, and uh, and Michael Mayer. That's a good nucleus of weapons. So, not bad. Not bad. And, and let's not, you know, we're... you got Jimmy G. Jimmy G Jimmy loves G's his tight serv- ends. Serviceable. He loves Very his serviceable. tight ends. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, having a nice check down guy like that is going to be huge, especially for like early success for yeah, like yeah. the easy yeah. stuff for yeah. the easy throws for the for the throws you have to make it's going to be nice to have them. yeah maybe even a little third down security blanket red zone right, type guy, right. yeah. yeah uh hit number three here i've never understood the stephen curry slander i don't get it i think he's a top 10 player of all time won't hear an argument against it sorry just won't uh goes on the road loudest crowd in the nba so far except for you know against uh, except for the warriors themselves uh drops 50 Drops 50 on Sacramento's head. We just watched the highlights. It's ridiculous. I I watched it live. First of all, I had to watch it again. It's just, it's a master class in basketball. It's over the top. It's pick and roll. It's moving without the, without the basketball. It's, uh, you know, elbow jumpers, bump, step back, elbow jumper. It's, it's hezzy, drive to the lane, finish with the left, finish with the right, dish out to guys. I mean, it was a masterclass on how to play point guard while also scoring in the NBA, putting the team on your back. Clay couldn't hit shots. Wigan was inefficient. Dre was bad offensively per usual. Poole wasn't scoring with ease like he can tend to do. Uh, it was all on him in Game 7. You know, dynasty about to crumble to at the hands of a much younger team. All-time stuff from Stephen Curry. I mean, that that is an all-time performance. Sets a record for the most amount of points in a Game 7. Uh, it was really, really impressive stuff. Yeah, I was just about to say, we watched the highlights of every single point scored by Steph Curry before we just came on here. Fantastic. I'm not even a big basketball guy. You know that. I'm sure any viewer that has watched us for any amount of time knows that. And, uh, I mean, it... I'm just impressed. It didn't take I a basketball fan to see that. No, to it see doesn't. that it was master, it, masterful performance. You don't have to know the X's and O's all that well. You don't have to you don't have to have a great understanding of the game, but when you watch highlights like that, you, you can tell that, you know, some guys are just different and some guys just set themselves apart and Steph Curry is that guy. Yeah, I agree. Miss number three here. I thought uh, Will Levis would go four over Richardson. I thought that was the better pick. 
I think Levis is slightly more refined. I think he's a little bit sharper in terms of you, you looked at his S2 scores, his academic yeah. resume, right, all that. Um, reminded me a little bit of, like, an Aldi brand, Andrew Luck, if you wanted to talk yourself yeah. into it, right? If you're, like, looking through that lens, which, and if you have that kind of bias, like the Andrew Luck bias, which the Colts, I figured, would have, uh, then that would kind of make more sense. But instead, they go Richardson. Um, I, I'm not sure how it pans out. I'm really not. We'll kind of talk a little bit about that more in the third segment. But nonetheless, we were wrong there. Like I said, we had Levis going for Richardson slipping a little bit. Ends yeah. up reversing. Richardson goes for Levis slips a little bit. But, uh, yeah. I mean, it was shocking. But I guess it does really pan out. I, Colin Coward talked about it. And he even referenced, I think, what holds more weight than just his opinion on the matter is the fact that he does have uh, NFL executives and a coach that have both expressed their concerns with, like, the flexing and mirror type pictures the, and like the, the, the bravado. And the, yeah. Like yeah. that, that's not, that's not what you need to be a quarterback in the NFL. And that's not the, that's not the mental frame or standpoint that these teams want you coming into their organizations with. They don't want it to be all about you uh, at the quarterback position. You have to have, you know, a kind of more, I don't know. I want to say like mo- more Joe Burrow esque. Yeah. A little bit more quiet, quiet assassin. Right. Just get, has that savagery, has that swagger, but is, business like about get your, it. Get your damn job done, right? Yeah. You don't have to be taking pictures in the bathroom mirror. Don't be doing that. Do you have a fitness account? I don't think you do. I don't think he you doesn't. do. Uh, so you're playing quarterback. You're trying to play quarterback in the NFL. We can chill with the we can chill with the pictures in the bathroom mirror. I do agree there. You definitely don't post them, dude. What do you, I mean, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. Like, it's kind of weird to me. Yeah, if you want to keep them for like personal progress, fine, by all means. But like, what are we posting doing posting them? That? Especially when like they know that, like you know that that's a discussion in the league right now. Is like, your arrogance. size, your, your arrogance, your size, your rigidity, like your stiffness, like in game. So I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Well, Will Levis loves Will Levis, and he slipped to the second round. But we are about to get into the second segment. Uh, in the second segment, we will have the winners and losers of the draft with the news, uh, you know, kind of parlayed in there with it. So don't go anywhere. You're not going to want to miss it. Welcome in second segment, The Issue. It is the 4th of May now, Thursday. We appreciate you listening, whether that be uh, listening on what? Apple Music, um, Amazon Music. uh, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, yeah. I mean, just just any of those, really. If you're watching YouTube, uh, Amazon Prime Video, right? Isn't that that something like that? Spotify. Spotify you can watch. So, you know, no matter how you're watching, listening, appreciate you stopping by. Um, if you are just tuning into this video, go watch the first video um, or with the first segment. We got hits and misses, a little rant on the uh, NFL draft, kind of talking about that. We're going to talk more about that here, even more about that in the third segment. Segment, Of course, we will have news to round out this second segment here. But uh, like I said, we're talking a little bit of winners and losers of the draft here first. So to be clear, let me preface this. Yeah. This doesn't mean that I think these are the three best drafts and the three worst drafts. I think these are just notable teams that we should probably discuss. You know, uh, I'll, I'll give you a hint. One right now, Pittsburgh, right? Hometown team. Uh, and, you know, to be honest, we, we care more about them. Let's be real here. Um, and, and, like, losers. Like, we talked a little bit about Detroit. We'll talk about some Cleveland. Um, so we'll get into all that. Uh, let's start, though, with the winners. Let's go Pittsburgh for one. Uh, I think they killed the draft. First of all, so here, here's our top five picks you'd see up on the up on the screen here. we got Broderick Jones, Joey Porter, Keanu Benton, the defensive lineman from uh, Wisconsin, uh, Darnell Washington, big, big tight end from uh, from Georgia. So now I think we have two really solid tight ends yeah. with Friar Muth and, and Darnell Washington. Both can block and both can catch the ball. 
I think Muth's a little bit better at, at the uh, the whole receiving thing. Um, but Darnell Washington's certainly capable. And then, of course, Nick Herbig, who is a really, really nice edge rusher. I think he'll fit in rotationally, right? So you'll have, like, Watt, Highsmith, Herbig. You could argue be your third pass rusher in there in some packages. So um, I, I really like I really like to pick up there. Like I said, we talked a little bit in the first segment. The Steelers are telling you what their direction is, right? Who are we building around? Kenny Pickett. George, sure. Pitt, George Pickens. Obviously, we've signed Minka and TJ Watt, right? Those are probably our four cornerstones right now. Like, young, build around for the next five years, right? Obviously, like like Cam Hayward, right? Definitely a cornerstone, but he's on his way out. He's probably got another year or two of really high-end play. So, you know, he's a leader, not necessarily a cornerstone for the future, right? So, that's our nucleus. What does that nucleus need? So, for Kenny Pickett, you got to protect him. That That's for one. Um and, and also with Najee Harris, you want to run the football. Yeah, it's going right? to open up so much with Broderick Jones. Absolutely. You want to run the football. On the flip side, right, so you have T.J. Watt and Mega Fitzpatrick. So you have a guy at, at both of the really key levels. What you don't have those, a guy on the outside to lock somebody up. Then you go get Joey Porter, too. Right? We talked about how Cam Hayward is aging. How do you how do you replace him? You go get a defensive lineman, Keanu Benton, uh, with your third pick. You know, I, I think the Darna Washington pick is... I don't think it, it adds a ton of value right now, but I do think there's something to be said for the two tight end systems, right? We saw back in New England back in the day before Aaron Hernandez decided to go start committing felonies and, yeah. and killing people. Uh, <laughs> so but we saw that with him and, and Gronk, right? So they were a dynamic two tight end group. We see it happen a lot. So I, I, I like the uh, the pickup there. And again, Herbig, who we signed his brother in free agency. So a little bit of family action there. You can't go wrong. Um, That's so, always the Steelers, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, they get, what, Hayward. We had the, the Watt brothers. So yeah. uh, Edmonds for a little while, the Edmonds brothers. Um, so I really, really like the, pick, the picks there for the Steelers. So do I. I think it solves a lot of problems. I agree. Let's go to the other side of the state here. Let's go with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, first of all. Another big winner, for sure. Yeah, out of their top five picks, they go get three Georgia guys. They get Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, and then Keely Ringo there at five. Tyler Steen and Sidney Brown sandwiched in between there. Jalen Carter. Um, first of all, I think he's the most talented player in the draft outside of Bryce Young. I do think Bryce Young, because it's a more valuable position, and I do think he's a beautiful thrower of the football, is a more talented player that can make more of an impact now. Uh, but Jalen Carter is a close second. Um, reminds me a lot of like a of like a J.J. Watt coming out. Like big, really, really quick. Yeah. Really quick. Not quite as like stout as an Aaron Donald. Uh, a little bit taller, a little bit thinner, but oh quick um he's a guy that can give you 12 sacks from the interior defensive line which is a really really impressive number uh for that position nolan smith reminds me a lot of a tj watt speed on the edge he's gonna bend the corner uh you know could be susceptible against bigger stronger tackles um because he's not a bigger stronger athlete like a miles garrett off the edge but he can outmaneuver the hell out of him right so the speed is where he's gonna get you there steen's a, a center i believe maybe a guard um, so getting depth there, Jason Kelsey, we know, is probably going to retire after either this year or next. So that makes a ton of sense. Get depth there, develop him. Uh, I think I want to say Sidney Brown's at DB maybe. Um, I, yeah, I don't really care for that pick. My, it's, it's a fine pick. I'm very indifferent about that pick. Love the Keely Ringo. Yeah. I think I think he could have been as high as a late first, second-round pick. He falls a little bit, so great value there. Um, the Eagles drafting what they need, staying true to their board, not overreaching, right? You only move up one spot for Carter. So staying true to your plan, not reaching. I, I love the uh, draft for the Eagles. And somehow they dominated that much without taking any reaches. And then they go outside of the draft and make some great uh, free agent signings. Yeah, they go D-Swizzle. They go trade yeah. for DeAndre Swift. DeAndre yeah. Swift was a huge pickup. Now yeah. they actually have a very functional backfield. I feel like at times – 
you, you kind of got into a little bit of like a like a stalemate. You just kind of yeah. things plateaued there. Yeah, for and a it was bit. a lot. It was very Jalen Hurts dependent. Yes, and, and and now you add a guy like DeAndre Swift, who's just gonna run all over people. Yeah, especially when you're paying Hurts that type of money, you don't want him to have to run the ball a ton. So that makes sense. Let's go with the Seattle Seahawks, the uh, the third and final winner here. I. I do think Christian Gonzalez was the better pick, but I do like Devin Witherspoon as well. So it makes a little bit of sense, right? So for what they need, they have Tariq Woolen, who is a longer, lankier DB, which is more what Gonzalez is. Witherspoon's a little bit more physical, a little bit more like in-your-face, can guard little bit of the of the more physical receivers as yeah. opposed to the taller receivers right like you that you that you would want from a lankier db so in their system it fits for what they already have jackson smith and jigba rounds out what might be the best receiving core in the nfc dk metcalf on the edge tyler lockett on the edge uh, and then jack smith in jigba in the slot is they got some great dudes. they got dudes uh, Derek hall i thought was a first round pick falls the second he's a nice edge rusher out of auburn auburn love that pick uh, Charbonnet, the running back, not great for fantasy owners of uh, Kenneth Walker. Obviously, nobody's drafted yet, but going forward, Kenneth Walker might dip a little bit in the fantasy ratings, but I don't care. Um, that's a really, really good two-headed monster in the backfield. And then Anthony Bradford, I want to say he's like a center or something like that. Whatever, good depth there. Yeah, 100% agree. Let's switch over to the losers, though. I'll start with who I think is the least of the losers here. Okay. Again, this is not the three worst drafts, just notable teams. So let's start with the least loser of the three. The Detroit Lions. I hated their first two picks. I don't like Jameer Gibbs uh, and, and Jack Campbell at the slots they drafted him at. But Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, Hendon Hooker for your next three picks. I like Laporta as the tight end out of Iowa, I believe. And we know Iowa's a tight end factory. Brian Branch, who a lot of people had a first-round grade on, safety out of Alabama. Really nice pickup. And I thought Hendon Hooker was the third or fourth best quarterback in the draft. I thought he was better than Richardson. Uh, so I like that pickup as well. So again, the value early on I thought could have been better. I thought they could have. This was a B minus draft, but it very easily if they would have just went for good value in yeah. the first two picks, they could have. It could have been an A plus draft. That's why for me it's a loser because it was right there. It was they they had it all there. And they, in total Detroit Lion fashion, blew the first round. <laughs> blew it. Yeah, and, and well, at least we—it's kind of like a mini hit here too, because we were predicting a quarterback to the Detroit Lions there. Yeah. Because you know, obviously, Goff isn't going to be your guy for the future. You're going to draft somebody. He's going to sit behind him. Maybe you learn for a year or two, and then you insert them. I just didn't think Hendon Hooker was going to be that guy because Will Levis was available when they were picking still. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking if if Detroit gets their hands on him, I'm coming on the show and taking my victory lap because I called that. But yeah. obviously they went a different route. They went the Kentucky rival with Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Valid. Right, let's go with the Browns next. So Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver. I, I'm not even going to pronounce that second name. It's like Sakaika, whatever. Uh, Dewan Jones, the tackle out of Ohio State. I think it's a really, really underwhelming prospect. I think he's too big. Does not move very well for his size. Uh, projects for me more of a backup. Isaiah McGuire is, is okay. Dorian Thompson Robinson, a quarterback. Uh, if you weren't paying a fully guaranteed contract to Deshaun, I would get taking a flyer on a late round quarterback because if Deshaun ends up not being able to return to form that we think he was before the suspension and all that, then you have a cheap quarterback. You can move off Deshaun. The cap hits fine. You're good. But you fully guarantee his contract. So you can't move off him for the next, like, four years. No, you kind of stuck yourself now, too. So it doesn't matter if DTR is good or not. It does not matter at all. You wasted so a he, pick. So you, you just basically just drafted a backup for the next three or four years. You wasted a you pick. You can go get a, go get a backup. Brandon Allen's on the market. Case Keenum. AJ McCarron's still in the XFL. Go get, like, you can go find a backup. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. 
Pendanucci's playing his ass off in the XFL, and I think Benny, I'd rather have him. D, yeah. <laughs> and I don't even mind DTR. It just I, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, and then the Washington Commanders. Are you really – here's the picks on the board. You're really going to roll the dice on <laughs> Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett when Will Levis was available when you picked? Yeah, that's – And then Hooker was available when you picked. Decent quarterbacks that are better than the two you have were available when you selected. Them passing on Levis was interesting to me. And then they took a lanky, under, like wiry, thin DB with their first pick in Emmanuel Forbes. Who is your number one team that you have to beat in your division? The Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles. Who is your number one DB going to be matched up against? A.J. Brown. Emmanuel Forbes is going to get bodied at bare minimum twice a year against the best team in your division. Yeah. Every year. Yeah. Every year. That game that you have to win. Doesn't make a ton of sense. The only pick that I really like out of these first five here uh, is K.J. Henry. I thought they got decent value at their fifth pick there with their fifth rounder. Um, he's a he's a pretty big D lineman. Needs some refinement, but I think he's a big, strong athlete. Projects decently well in about a year or two if, if he can develop Rivera's a decent uh, you know defensive head coach but it, it doesn't make a ton of sense a team that you clearly need a quarterback you need offense and you just go hard into defense and and line play and it's just like what are we doing well also like just not, being around the bush even outside of AJ Brown like the Cowboys have good weapons. CD Lamb's a good one. And, and look, now CD CD's not the big physical receiver that uh, you know that AJ Brown is, but CD CD can go make up some 50-50 balls. So I just either way, it's going to be some tough sledding in Washington. I feel like I, I'm just I'm I'm not a fan of their draft. So let's let's recap here. The winners we got Pittsburgh, Philly, and Seattle. Uh, the losers Detroit, uh, Cleveland, and Washington. Again, to clarify, not the three best drafts, not the three worst drafts, just three notable ones that we wanted to talk about. Uh, kind of talk about uh, what we liked, what we didn't like about those drafts. But, um, you know, it's just it's going to jump guess, into some news. We've yeah, been, hey, time for the news? Yeah, we've been all football, so let's jump into some news. Well, let's veer away from football a little bit, right? I think, I think we've had enough football, and we'll continue to get into some it's more football packed, in, the, yeah. in, the, in the third segment here. Let's just take a little, take a little breather. Do four, four stories here, none of them football. We'll start in baseball, right? Uh, Yankees, they're in last place right now. The Buccos, however, the, the your, your Pittsburgh Pirates – are actually in first place, just like everybody predicted, right? The Yankees are uh, obviously underwhelming. Aaron Judge just went to the 10-day IL. I don't want to talk about it. My fantasy team is in absolute shambles. <laughs> Need more Pirates on my roster, less Yankees, but whatever. Who would have thought? Mm, well, I mean, <laughs> I would have thought. I'm not very good at fantasy baseball, whatever. But anyway, I would have never thought that the teams would be in their respective last and first yeah. place. Um, I, what do you, you make of the Yankees? Is it Aaron Boone? I mean, they have the talent. Is it's, it is it the, is it the coaching? It's got to be the coaching and the methodology behind building that team over the last couple of years, right? I feel like we've said it a bunch. They try to equal out the strikeouts with the home runs. I I think you need to walk more. I need to get on base more. Um, I think Anthony Volpe's actually good. Cause he's more of a hit for average, steal a base type of guy. I think he's good for that team in the long run. But for some reason, it's just not rounding into shape. Well, you need a team full of those guys, right? If one guy gets on base and then you can't play. Like, the game of baseball, of how it's meant to be played. Move runners over, get them into scoring position, and then, and then hit them score in. them. Right. Uh, it's just like, they've totally sold out on a method of baseball that can work, I don't but think is not can, consistent. I don't think it can work long-term to win you titles. I don't think it's... I think it for me, it's, it's a lot of, like, building around, like... Like a guy in the NBA who just... Scores 40, doesn't really assist much, doesn't play a ton of defense, right? Yeah. Can go win you like 65 games in the regular season because like on a Tuesday night when you're on your second of a back-to-back and he comes into town and you're just like, all right, dude, we, did, we, we don't got anything for you. 
Like, go put up 45. That can go win you 65 games during the season. Seven-game series doesn't work out like that, right? So it's like, could could the Yankees slug their way to first place and, and get to the playoffs? Yeah, I don't think it's sustainable to win, though. And it's not even winning them regular season games right now. It, yeah, and, and you're getting to that point now where you, we've been through a month of baseball. you got to start digging yourself out of a hole if you are in a hole. Yeah. Right, yeah. because I'm not going to say that – I mean, the baseball season's long. So, oh. really, it's not that hard to jump positions right now. But, I mean, you have to start putting it together at some point. Well, you don't You don't want to look up in two months and be like, dude, we are 14 games back. Right. Like, that's where you're like, well, now we have to go on a winning streak. they got to go on a losing streak for, like, three months. And then we'll be close. Then it gets it gets chippy. Yeah. Right, right. You could you could you could fall out of contention really quick, and uh, that's what that's what we're looking to avoid. Story number two here: Your New Jersey Devils winning a tough, tough game seven uh, at home to defeat and eliminate the Rangers. We said it. Patrick Kane uh, to the Rangers seemed a little bit. Yeah, you get the stars, but they didn't have enough like tough guys, enough enforcers. Right, a lot of a little, little bit too cute. Um, and I think the Devils, a younger, more talented team, had a little bit more energy, yeah. uh, played a little bit a little bit tougher, to be honest with you. And, and they win Game 7. The Rangers are out. We'll get to the next story about the Bruins being out. It's just wild, wild NHL playoffs. Well, the, the Devils' defense and goaltending has been insane, too, especially really in these yeah. last two, three games. I know I caught Game 7 uh, when it did happen. Yeah, they went 4-0, by the way. I think a big part of the of the NHL playoffs, and really what you see when teams go on tears and end up winning the cup, is the goaltending, is oh, the defense, huge. is the physicality. Yeah. You got to be able to play with a team that's physical. You got to be able to to get the puck out of your zone when you need to, and you have to be able to back check like really, really well. Yeah. Um, and you look at the Penguins when they went back to back in 2016, then of course in 2017. Flurry played out of his mind in 2016 until he got hurt, and then, you know, Murray stepped in. And then Murray played out of his mind down the stretch in 2017. So it, it really comes down to goaltending, and right now the Devils just have it figured out. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It is it is a lot about goaltending here. Story number three here again, the Florida Panthers I touched on earlier. Defeat the Bruins over time in Game 7 on the road in Boston. Boston set a record for the most regular season wins of any hockey team in NHL history, and the and the Panthers go in and upset them. Yeah. That, Berserk. In the first round. They, Bar, Barstool was beside themselves right now. Uh, yes. Yeah. Big Boston. Big Boston organization there. Beside themselves. Uh, and it feels good. It feels good. I, I'm not a big Bruins guy. So not the, a big Bruins guy. I hate the Bruins. It it, uh, it feels good when they get chopped down a little early. But uh, I didn't see it coming. Uh, usually they uh-huh. can just pound the other team into the ice. Yeah. It's, it's just it's, over and over, yeah. night after night. They're going to out-physical you, and they're just going to hit you and out-hit you probably by 10 to 15 hits a game. They always seem to have, like, the best goalie for no reason, right? Like Tim Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, Tuka Rask. Yeah. I, I, whoever they have now is, is, is pretty good as well. Um, but the Panthers were scrappy. They're, that's a scrappy uh, hockey team. And here's how I know, we said it before, here's how I know that the Penguins did not deserve to go to the playoffs. That would have been a sweep. That would have been a four-game sweep if we went and played against Boston. Yeah. It, easily. easily. I, don't, I don't even think we get a game that we lose by a goal or less. Like, Or, I guess, a goal, right? Or win. Yeah. I think we would lose every single game. We would get swept, lose every single game by two-plus goals. <laughs> and the Panthers go in and win in seven games. In overtime. On the road. Yeah. And they have a, a so lot impressive. of that like quick... Uh, fast play method where it's just we're going to dump the puck, we're going to go chase it, dump we're going yeah. to hit you around the boards, we're going to forecheck really well, and then we're going to get the puck out and kind of, 
I don't know, really put an emphasis on passing and it's a good, it's a good put, hockey a, team. put up accurate shots and put pucks towards the net. That's the biggest thing in the playoffs. It's get so hard to get pucks on the net because you have everybody that's laying down in front of slap shots. Everybody's trying to block a shot in the playoffs. And that's why I love playoff hockey. But you're not going to score unless you are throwing every single opportunity you have towards the goal. I agree. I agree. Story number four here. Uh, one fighting championship, which is kind of like the only real rival right now to UFC. Um, mixed martial arts. They don't have weight cuts. They have a couple different rules, stuff like that. Uh, they stated that they will no longer, they were pursuing Francis and Ganu. They are no longer pursuing Francis and Ganu to fight in one, uh, one fighting championship. He hasn't fought in over 400 days. He's not in the UFC anymore. Won't take the John Jones fight. That's why he basically got kicked out of the UFC to begin with. It seems to me, and look, it's easier. It's easy to say it from this side of the desk, right? When you do, you're not looking at John Jones in the face or still gone or whatever. One of these big dudes that could absolutely light you up like a Christmas tree. But you work your way to the top. You finally, he finally gets heavyweight champion of the world, and then he backs down. Like, does it does it not seem like he was just kind of there to get the title, get the fame, get the money, and then just go kind of live off that? It does. It's what it seems like it does, to me. And it's weird because you don't usually see that path from guys that are that like ultra competitive. All that and the, the dedication. I mean, the man flees, like fleed his own country, and I don't even know where he's from. So I, I, I watched Joe Rogan. He like flees a country. He's like on the run for days. He's like swimming. He's like hiding, sleeping in the woods. I don't even know. And then he goes to a different country. Stays there for like a month, and he comes here. Crazy story. Go watch Joe Rogan on it. I that was. That did not do it justice, by the way, the little synopsis <laughs> I gave you. Um, but the dedication to get here and then to fight, to work your way up, to to, to win against Stipe, to, to to beat Cyril Gaon in the way he, that he did, to finally get the championship, and then to just back... Down. Like, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's not like... It's rare from, from a guy like that. It's not the usual path that you see these ultra-competitive athletes take. It, it really isn't. No. Usually they can't get enough. Usually the problem is they fight for too long and they end up like tarnishing their own reputation because or they towards, just towards the end where it's just ugly. You're like, oh, oh, it's like, like stop, fighting. stop fighting. Yeah, yeah, stop. yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, oh, 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 go, just just go interview people or something, please. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Take a job, like, yeah, score the damn fight. I don't know, referee a little bit, do something yeah. else than fight. But no, this is like one of those situations where they just walk away in their prime. Weird. I don't get it. It's weird. I don't know. Hopefully, it comes back. We'll see. Who knows. That's all we got for the news. Yeah. Well, uh, guys, stick around. Third segment is upcoming, and like we said, we will have more NFL to talk. Little Anthony Richardson and Will Levis kind of comparing the two and just giving you a breakdown of what that draft looked like and what happened there. Uh, Anthony Richardson, of course, going number, what, four? Four to the Colts. Number four overall to the Colts. Levis 33 and, uh, to the Titans. Yeah, following all the way to the second round was Will Levis. So we will discuss all that on the other side of the break. Let's go third segment uh, the issue. May 4th, Thursday, like normal. Uh, but this segment, we will have so, some NFL draft recap just prolonged throughout the show. A little discussion on uh, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Obviously, two quarterbacks that I think kind of swapped places in most people's uh, mind before the draft. And then, obviously, the draft happened and things cascaded uh but if you haven't yet go to the issuesports.com sign up for the newsletter there right on the home page just type the email in click sign up 
and you will start receiving our newsletters. They come out every Wednesday. This last one was fantastic. Tim wow. works his ass off on them. That's so soft, go ahead soft, and subscribe. Soft. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's actually about Will Levis, so there you go. Um, so that's actually a perfect little segue. So there's this there's this perception that Will Levis dropped. Woe is him. He's screwed. And Anthony Richardson gets the fourth overall pick, um, and he's going to light the world on fire, right? So now, first contract money-wise, yeah, Anthony Richardson's going to be a little happier than Will Levis, right? Is what it is. They're both going to make a very, very comfortable living, millions of dollars, yada, yada, yada. Good stuff. You make more of your money on your second contract anyway, so depending on how they do, that's what really will really determine – financial career success so outside of just the contract thing like i said there's this perception that levis falls he's now a he's now worse off that's not exactly true so let's start with anthony richardson getting he's going to get a rookie quarterback or i'm sorry a rookie head coach rookie head coach he is a rookie quarterback uh, an offensive line is very underwhelming outside of guard and we all know that guard is not necessarily the big ticket to winning more left tackle center is what we're looking for uh, the weapons outside of Michael Pittman are very underwhelming, and even Michael Pittman is known more as a jump ball guy, not necessarily a guy that separates, not exactly a very crisp route runner, separates, not not a burner down the field. Uh, so an underwhelming receiving core, underwhelming offensive line, rookie coach, uh, a, a owner who is just constantly meddling. He ran the last, what, four quarterbacks out of town. Or Will Levis on the flip side. Derrick Henry. Now, the offensive line is, is definitely in a rebuild, but you go get Peter Skaronsky. Hopefully, he could be a piece you build around. I'm not 100% sure, but we'll see. Uh, actually, Derrick Henry? Yeah, Derrick Henry, yeah. offensive line. The defense is okay. The front seven is really nice. Secondary could use some work, but they got some young guys coming back in the secondary. Hopefully, they can make a difference. And you get a fantastic head coach in Mike Vrabel. I, what I view as a top seven to eight coach in the league. Um, I mean, what they've been able to do over the last three years, right? Number one seed, go into go into Arrowhead and upset Mahomes the year before. Uh, I mean, I mean, with the roster that they have, that's a second place roster. That's a wild card roster, and they've been the one seed, the two, the three, uh, winning playoff games, going on the road, winning playoff games. So what they've been able to do is really, really impressive. So there's this, there's this view that Levis falls. He's now going to have a worse career. He's worse off. Richardson goes higher. He's he's automatically destined for more success. That's not always the case. We know that. These quarterbacks, if you take, I don't know, let's go four quarterbacks in the first round, if, if you do it in a draft. We know that one's going to be a stud, right? Like from the Trevor Lawrence draft, for example. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Justin Fields. There's actually five there. One, Trevor Lawrence, stud. Two, really going to depend where you land. Like Justin Fields, I think if he lands somewhere else, probably a lot better. Right now, you know, he's dealing with average weapons, bad offensive line, eh, leadership's eh, right? Um, Mac Jones, Lands with, with, with New England, right? He's exactly what you would expect from a limited quarterback that lands in New England. Kind of limited. Pretty efficient. A little bit feisty because they're not really surrounded with a ton of weapons. Like exactly what we expected based on where he lands, right? So, same thing here. We think probably between Young, Stroud, Richardson, we'll throw Levis in the first round for this for, for sake of discussion. We know one is probably maybe not a stud like a Trevor Lawrence, but it's going to be a viable NFL starter for the next, let's go, six years, right? Because the number one guy that we think will be that guy isn't necessarily the most durable. So we're going to the next six years, Bryce Young will be a bona fide starter. Everybody else, complete roll of the dice. Complete roll of the dice. Depends on where you land. And if this morning, if I wake up Will Levis, I'm happier about where I landed than if I wake up as Anthony Richardson. I'm just saying it right now. It's a way better environment. Way better. Not to mention you're in Nashville. 
I'll rip that. That's, That's nice. Yeah, we That's like that. Uh, I'll take Nashville over Indianapolis. Guys, look, it's going to be one of those. I feel like this is one of those drafts where it's so cloudy right now, and it was so clouded during draft day, and it's really tough to project like the difference between these two quarterbacks. Obviously, we had Levis higher, but really the cards could fall either way. Right. Uh, I feel like in a couple of years you're going to look back on the 2023 draft, and it's going to be like, oh, well, of course blank fill in the blank was better right um and i'm really not sure which one now we've talked that the situation has to be like perfect for will levis to be inserted into yeah. uh, he didn't have all the pieces at kentucky you're not going to get all the pieces wherever you go in the nfl but at least you have more of a semblance of something being built in the right direction in tennessee than you do in indianapolis indianapolis, yeah, indianapolis hasn't is full rebuild. To, they haven't been able to figure it out since andrew luck left yeah that, that's full rebuild um so I'm not sure that Anthony Richardson, who is a fine quarterback, but I'm not sure he possesses the the strengths and the capabilities to to lead an organization into right. their next big guy, right? Uh, and like transcend that organization into what they would like to be, and obviously what that would be is vying for a Super Bowl spot. Now we're not going to know for 17 weeks. 17 weeks is how far we are from NFL kickoff. Um, so. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting throughout like spring uh, like spring mini camp and then you're gonna get into well first you'll have the rookie you know, camps and then you'll have then you'll have OTAs and, and all the training camps and then, uh, training camp yeah. preseason obviously yeah. you're probably gonna see both of these guys during preseason oh yeah for um, sure so for sure. it's gonna be really interesting to see how it plays out I for one think that Levis will end up having the better career but I think that Anthony Richardson has like more upside. He I has, think Anthony Richardson's ceiling is higher, but I think so Will Levis is in a better spot. Because he is able to extend plays with his feet. He has way more legs than Will Levis does. Here's here's So right now, let me ask you a question. Justin Fields or Mac Jones? I'm going to take Justin Fields. See, this is going to prove my point. I, I would take Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is a more accurate, more consistent distributor of the football. I think Justin Fields right now is a highlight reel. I think Anthony Richardson is going to be wildly athletic, jump over people, run a 4-3 down the sideline for a 34-yard touchdown. But I think Will Levis, with a little bit of coaching, a little bit of grooming, could be a more accurate, more consistent player. I, I agree with that, but I think the game is moving more towards can oh, yeah. you run, can you do both? Yeah, yeah, can and you run, yeah. I think Richardson does more of that, and I think Justin Fields does more of that. That's fair. I think it's closer between Fields and, and Mac Jones. But like Levis, I think is going to be a significantly more consistent player. And let's not forget, and it's not. And, like and he can Levis. also move a little bit. Too. I was going to say, let's not act like Levis can't. Yeah, run. no, no. Levis is a much better athlete than Mac Jones. That's just kind of the first one that came to my head because personally, like I said, I would take Mac Jones. I know what I'm going to get every Sunday. I'm going to get 67 percent completion percentage, 200 yards. Might not be the most flashy 200 yards, but 200 yards. Uh, you know, probably a touchdown or two, maybe a pick. Yeah. I know what I'm getting. Yeah. Justin Fields, I can go get four picks, no problem. Yeah, he might run one in from 80 yards out. Sweet. It's, it's very inconsistent, very frenetic. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of like the run-versus quarterbacks either. I like a guy that can pass, that can throw from the pocket primarily, but then also has the legs to fall back on, and right. when he uses them, is special with them. And that's, that's what I said about Mahomes. It, it's not the spectacular that sets Mahomes apart. Yes, he could do that. It's the fact that in between his spectacular plays is just stretches of mundane domination. Which like is needed, much, though. That's so exactly, needed. Exactly. Right? It's it's where you don't even realize it, but you look up, he's hit his last nine for the last 86 yards, yep. he's got a touchdown, and he's just in total command. It's like cruise control. Get it, hit your back foot, out, 
boom, there's nine yards. Get it, back foot, out, four yards. Like, it's just mundane, boring, consistent, right? That's what Brady always was. People always right. dink and dunk Brady. Yeah, it was brutal to be on the other side of it, though. Yeah, and then and then when you need it, Mahomes can rip can one off, off for, like, 25 yards, right. rush, get out of bounds real nice, doesn't lower the shoulder like Josh Allen does, stays a little more healthy that way, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but guys, that is all we have for you today. So make sure you are going to the social media, checking out everything that we put out throughout the week. Uh, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all of it. All the links can be found in the description of the episode in the link tree, or they are direct linked right there. So just go look what you're searching for. Click on it. Hit a subscribe. Hit a like. We really appreciate it. And guys, that was the issue.